Hello and welcome to episode four of A Good Book Review, a podcast where we sit down and review a wide variety of books that have been written for a Christian audience. My name is Alex Daniels and this is Chase Vitor. Hey everyone, today we'll be chatting about John Piper's classic book, Desiring God with Nick Rowan. Desiring God was initially published in 1986 by InterVarsity Press and it's currently available where most books are sold for an average price hovering right around $11. Nick Rowan is a ministerial director for adult adult discipleship and outreach on the south campus of Bethlehem Baptist Church in the Twin Cities. And before that, he studied at Bethlehem College and Seminary. Welcome, Nick. Great to be here with you guys. Awesome. Jump right into the review. Question number one. What was the main reason uh, that Nick Rowan initially read John Piper's uh, Desiring God? Yeah. So um, back in college, um, I was just kind of getting introduced to the area of reformed theology and uh, everything that that entailed. Um, I was reading things by like R.C. Sproul and J.I. Packer and things like that. Uh, and my dad had told me about this uh, pastor in Minneapolis who was also an author mm-hmm. named John Piper. Hmm. Um, and so I just went online and I started listening to his sermons. And his preaching kind of started to blow me away. Uh, his whole library of sermons is online. And he was right in the middle of the Romans, his classic mm, Romans yeah. series. Yep. Um, and so I was like, man, I got to check more of this guy out. And so that's kind of how I got um, made aware of Piper. And then he started, like in his sermons, talking about this term Christian hedonism. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I had no idea what that was. So I uh, looked it up and it took me to this book. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I got into it. I had an interest in Reformed mm-hmm. theology, mm-hmm. love Piper's preaching, and I wanted to know what in the world is this thing called Christian hedonism and right. why does it matter? So. Now, Nick, I don't mean to date you at all or anything like that, but uh, Piper is fairly well known now. Obviously, there's there's a lot of material online uh, because John Piper's been doing what John Piper's been doing for years now. Um, but when was the time when you were yeah initially like in college and exploring him? Like, what would would you say he was as well known then as he is now? Um, it was the time uh, when he was just getting really popular. Okay, so it was like 2003 to 2005 gotcha. is when I was really getting into his stuff. Um, and that's when, you know, his church in Minneapolis was exploding and sure, yeah. he was writing all sorts of books and speaking at all the conferences and stuff like that. Cool. Yeah. So if you know anything about John Piper, this next question is going to be kind of like a softball pitch, a nice <laughs> underhanded pitch question. Um, what do you think is the greatest and most God glorifying reason someone should read this book? Uh, the answer is for your joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the whole premise of the book. Um, is that the glory of God and pursuing that and your joy in pursuing that aren't at odds. Right. In mm-hmm. fact, they're the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and I don't know if I'm getting ahead here, but um, God, the premise of the book is, um, is that God is the most um, beautiful, the most um, preeminent, the most uh, worthy object in the entire universe. Mm-hmm. And so that's what our heart should desire. Mm. And when we desire God, we glorify him. So that's where the his his famous saying, God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied mm. in him comes from. When we're satisfied in God, then we're saying to the world, hey, he's where my satisfaction lies, and it's him that I'm desiring more of. Right. Yeah, that, that follows pretty closely to this next question. Um, the title of the book makes it pretty clear what it's talking about. Obviously, desiring God doesn't take much to... To compute there, uh, but we'd be interested to hear how does Piper define desire in this context with relation to God in the book? Um, yeah, and so he just basically desire uh, defines desire the way that 
you would just normally think about it as something that you want in order to make you happy. Mm. Um, so he, this, this just kind of sums it up. I'm going to read just a little bit here. This yes, is a please. quote from um, Blaise Pascal, the, the old philosopher. Mm-hmm. Um, and he wrote, all men seek happiness. This is without exception. Whatever different means they employ, they all tend to this end. The cause of something going to war and of others avoiding it is the same desire in both attended with different views. The will never takes the least step, but to this object. This is the motive of every action of every man, even of those who hang themselves, that being happiness. Mm -hmm. And so Piper says, this statement so fit with my own deep longings and all that I had ever seen in others that I accepted it and I have never found any reason to doubt it. So that's the whole point of this book is that every single action that we take is because we think it's going to make us most happy. Mm-hmm. Even when we do things that we don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's because we want the thing that that action is going to lead to right. more than not doing it. And so he says, um, seeking your own happiness, it's not something that's in question. It's a law of the human soul. Mm-hmm. That's what everyone is doing all the time. So if that's true, if that's true and we're desiring happiness, well, then the question is, what's going to give us the most happiness? Hmm. And the answer to that for Piper and the Bible <laughs> is God. And so he defines it as, yeah, we're desiring our happiness, and God is where we're going to get the most long-lasting, most uh, you know, deepest, hmm. most true happiness, contentment, fulfillment, joy uh, that's possible hmm. in the universe. Awesome. All right. Now talking about the style of the book. Would you consider this like a complicated read and would someone have to invest a significant portion of time to understand this book? Um, I wouldn't call it complicated, but I would call it deep. Um, Yeah, it's weighty. There's it's pretty theological. Um, I mean, the premise of the book is pretty simple. We Mm -hmm. want to be happy. God is what's going to make us happy. And so we want to pursue that happiness in him. And when we do that, that brings him glory. Mm -hmm. And then. He just dives into the theology of that. He um, exposits scripture. You know, he supports it um, with the Bible and with examples. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not a complicated premise, but he doesn't just treat it on the surface. Sure. You know, he dives deep into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, I mean, it takes a fair amount of thinking, mm-hmm. you know, but not in a way that is inaccessible to people. Okay. Yeah. This question is a bit tangential to Desiring God, but I'm just curious, Nick, you personally, um, Piper's obviously read, or excuse me, written a, a bunch of different books varying in lengths. Uh, what would you recommend to readers that maybe isn't quite as weighty as, as Desiring God? Just previous to the podcast, we were even talking about some other Piper books. So like, yeah, what would you recommend for, for maybe a little bit more introductory readers? Yeah. So, I mean, he's got a very small book called The Dangerous Duty of Delight, hmm. which is basically Desiring God distilled down into like 100 pages. Sweet. Um, he's also got a book, uh, Seeing and Savoring Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. which is specifically Christ-centered, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, he's honing in why Jesus is the ultimate treasure of our hearts. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are really good. Uh, He's got books. um, I mean, probably his most popular book, even more than Desiring God, is called Don't Waste Your Life, Mm -hmm. which is kind of an outflow of Desiring God. So if God's what makes you the most happy, well, then we should pursue him. Mm -hmm. So don't waste your life. That's, you know, that's the the premise of that book. And those are more just kind of reflections on this, but mm-hmm. pretty much everything that Piper's ever written <laughs> mm-hmm. flows from this basic premise, gotcha. which is that joy in God is our is our supreme, not only duty, but also our delight. Christian hedonism, yeah. 
Yeah, so back on the topic of this book, um, referring to kind of the approach to it, um, would you refer to this book as systematic in its approach uh, on the subject, or, or how else would you describe Piper's approach to explaining the material in the book, uh, particularly Christian hedonism? Yeah, that's a great question. So he kind of unpacks what Christian hedonism is and why he came to believe it, like the history of why he thinks it's true in the mm. introduction. And then the rest of the chapters of the book are very systematic in that he looks at different subjects um, like worship, conversion, scripture, prayer, mm. money, marriage, missions. Mm -hmm. And he takes those topics and shows how Christian hedonism is the root gotcha. of all of them. Mm. Um, and so he does, he explains it and goes into greater detail around those systematic categories. Hmm. Um, so every every chapter is kind of centered around one of those one of those topics. And in so doing, he just shows that really happiness and the pursuit of joy really is at the root of everything that we do as Christians. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. And so with most most evangelicals, they probably heard the phrase desiring God. They tend to think of this book. Uh, does this lend any credence for it being a worthwhile read? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Do you do you really think that most evangelicals have heard the term desiring God or know this book? Or is it just in our circles? Yeah, that's a good question. Obviously, I can't really speak for like maybe more charismatic people or whatever. Um, but certainly like, I mean, so Alex and I spent a lot of time in crew over at Eau Claire prior to, to graduating. And I would say like there, Piper is very yeah. well known and desiring God certainly is. So I don't know if I can speak, but I mean, that is a parachurch ministry that takes in a lot of different denominations. So like, Maybe that could be representative yeah. of a wider demographic. I don't know. Yep. I mean, I think it does. I mean, Piper's popular for a reason. Right. Um, and, you know, it's kind of tied to this whole, you know, back in the 2000s, there was this movement called the Young Restless Reform yeah. Movement. Yeah, um, And he's kind of the grandfather, you know, mm. or like the godfather of the Young mm -hmm. Restless Reformed Movement. Um, and, and so when that was exploding, then that's kind of when his books took off. Mm -hmm. um, but he, I mean, he wrote this back in 1986. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's worthwhile, you know, regardless of how popular that term or mm -hmm. how popular Piper is in the moment, but it certainly helps that he was the center of a movement that kind of yeah. took the world by storm. Right. Um, right. so, but yeah, I, it's definitely worth it because I mean, you should, you could read anything because you've heard of an author. Right. 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 <clears throat> Yeah, so as, as we just established, a lot of evangelicals have heard of Desiring God. Um, however, the the portion of that demographic, demographic who's actually read it, very slim. Uh, so, Mr. Mr. Nick Rowan, what would be your elevator pitch in, in a, a few phrases to try to uh, push them over the edge in an attempt to actually get them to, to really read this, this book? Yeah, I would just say, um, personal experience, this book revolutionized mm. my life in the way that I went about my entire Christian uh, worldview, my entire Christian existence. Um, because I kind of felt, and Piper talks about this in the book, I kind of felt this tension of wanting to glorify God, but also wanting to like, you know, be happy and pursue joy and have fun and these things. Mm -hmm. And I, it, it's really easy for the human heart to separate those things. Um, and I think it's a pretty universal experience for people to kind of feel that tension. And when I heard someone say from scripture um, that your pursuit of joy and glorifying God aren't different, but they're actually the same thing, and you need to pursue your joy mm -hmm. in order to glorify God, well, that changed everything. Mm -hmm. And so it was so freeing. It was so, um, you know, it, it changed my worship. 
it changed the way that I, um, you know, drank a glass of milk, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, I mean, yeah, it changed yeah. everything. And, and so I would just want that for people, maybe who have never like thought about that as a concept or who've mm -hmm. never tied it to scripture and the way that yeah. scripture talks about mm -hmm. the promises of God for, for superior joy and satisfaction. Mm -hmm. Um, and this book is worth every minute that you invest. Okay. Sweet. Um, now I know in some of my circles, like meme accounts on Facebook or different stuff like that, um, John Piper has gotten some flack for using the term Christian hedonist. Um, and you've probably heard that before too. Does John Piper go about addressing that or what were your thoughts like that he's? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. He's, I mean, that's his main criticism. And he actually wrote the appendix of the book called ah. why call it Christian hedonism. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and so he definitely addresses it. And what he says is hedonism, the term hedonism, all that means is the pursuit of pleasure at all costs. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. It means that you're pursuing pleasure, you're pursuing joy, you're pursuing happiness, whatever it takes. Now, when that's divorced from God, obviously that's going to go in all sorts of bad directions. Right. But that's what we're supposed to do when when it's centered on God himself. Mm -hmm. And so calling it Christian hedonism just means that we're pursuing joy in God at all costs. Mm -hmm. And so I think it it's exactly what it what it says it is mm -hmm. and i think it's a great term and i think it it being kind of provocative mm -hmm. is one reason that people actually might check it out right want to yeah. like what in the world is he talking about christian hedonism mm -hmm. that sounds like heretical mm -hmm. but then when you you find out what he means i think it's it's brilliant yeah so and he totally addresses that in the book mm -hmm. yeah. nick what other books would you recommend for our listeners uh, to read either either prior to or or following desiring god in order to get a fuller experience of of this grasp of the theology of Christian hedonism? Uh, the Bible. The Bible, yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Subtle. Um, no, I mean, beforehand, I, I don't think there's any prerequisites. Uh, he has a series uh, of three books that includes Desiring God, and then the other two are The Pleasures of God and Future Grace. Hmm. And they kind of all go together as kind of his, I don't know, series, his magnum opus on this subject. Yeah. And The Pleasures of God is like, okay, well, the reason that we're supposed to find our joy in God is because God is a happy God. He's a mm -hmm. joyful God. He is joy um, defined. Mm -hmm. And so what makes God happy? And so that's what The Pleasures of God is about. And I actually read that book uh, before Desiring God. Mm -hmm. I read it out of order, um, which you can do. Mm -hmm. But And then the other one, Future Grace, um, is specifically about how does this topic of Christian hedonism matter for your fight for faith, mm -hmm. for your fight against sin, for your fight to battle unbelief, unbelief. Mm -hmm. um, and it's all about the fact that if God is the most satisfying reality in the world, that's the only superior pleasure that you can fight the inferior pleasures of sin with. Mm -hmm. So you need to fight for superior, more lasting, more real joy in Jesus in order to replace the fleeting pleasures of sin. Otherwise, mm -hmm. you're just taking out sin and you have a vacuum mm -hmm. and what's going to be left right more sin mm -hmm. so so that's what future grace is about and so mm -hmm. all together it's it's an amazing series that's really cool that's sweet um well folks that is all the time that we have here today uh, but we do just want to thank you again so much nick for being willing to sit down with us appreciate it a lot yeah guys you bet yeah um if any of our listeners are interested where could we direct them to to hear more from you yeah, anyway, I mean, if anyone wants to get a hold of me, they can go to our church website, Bethlehem.church, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm listed in the staff directory there, so feel free to reach out. Sweet. Mm -hmm. Thanks for that, Mr. Rowan. Uh, if you, the listeners, enjoyed hearing from 
Mr. Ministerial Director Nick H. Money Rowan. Uh, he'll be back with us once again on episode <laughs> 11, uh, where he'll be reviewing The Things of God by Joe Rigney, which... Um, the Things of Earth. I'm so sorry. The Things of Earth. Yeah, not The Things of God, uh, which you have said in the past is kind of like a, a good follow-up to Desiring God. Oh, correct? yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that'll be great. We really look forward to having Nick on for episode 11, that is. Awesome. And as always, if you're interested in reaching out out to get in touch with myself or Chase, please feel to, feel free to email us at a good book review podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, that's right. Otherwise, you can also check us out on Instagram at a.good.book.review, uh, where you can get updates on future episodes and that kind of stuff. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and we look forward to getting to be back next time on episode five, where we'll be sitting down with Pastor Michael Bowman and hearing his thoughts on knowing God.